0: Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex Scotland International and adopted Frenchman, Johnny Beatty. And we're going to be joined a bit later on by Cass Tyler Ardron for a chat about life in the top 14 compared to the URC, Super Rugby. He's a very well-travelled man. The international picture for Canada as well. Loads more. But there's quite a lot of news, Johnny.
1: Bits flying around. There is loads flying around. Like between transfers, between games, sackings. We're going to have some of them again Mm. already. Players moving mid-season, which is almost becoming a bit like football, but a little bit more regular in the top 14. There's loads happening in the minute, so loads to get through, mate. And how are you? All good? Do I still sound like I've got COVID? I'm trying everything to get on. rid of it, mate. On an inhaler now, so I might sound Ooh. a little bit funny as my voice tries to adjust. But yeah, I think this is month three of being dark. As long as I make Christmas, I'll be happy. As long as I can get there... And be happy and fun and up for Christmas. I'll be delighted.
0: Your voice has been through a tough period, so we'll nurse it through another week or two and we'll get there. Let's start off then with probably the biggest of the news this week, which is obviously concerning Antoine Dupont. He is apparently not going to be playing in the Six Nations in a few months' time, and he's going to be preparing for the Olympics with France transitioning to sevens. He's not on his own. Arthur Vincent, Seku Makala are going to be with him. Damien Penault potentially are waiting to hear if he can be released by Bordeaux. And if not, maybe Louis Bielbiere. So what do you make of all that?
1: I think it's really cool for the world of sevens in that this is their year with the Olympics coming through to shine. Um, There's all sorts going on. There's like behind the scenes documentaries. There's loads is going to shine loads of insight into the world of citizens and they sort of rebooted the whole comp this year as well so it's exciting you have got um hooper as well from wallaby's captain he's putting yeah. that jersey back on that'll be epic the question remains for me is how good are they going to be this is the thing mm. so like they're, they're giving away that spot they're not going to be part of the six nations You've got guys that are going to have to come in and do a job and replace, which is great for life without Antoine Dupont. If that happens at the next World Cup, what happens? Are there Six Nations expectations? Is that impacted? But you've now got you know a real chance for people that haven't played Luku, Kuyu, Baptiste Serrin, is he going to get back in the mix? Jeanneau, who's been ripping it up for Clermont, he's injured now. So the sort of the Fifteens game is what does life look like without Antoine? And for the Sevens game, it's going to be phenomenal. Like these boys, in some of the biggest stars on the planet in the 15s game, coming and transitioning and hoping to take the 7s game by storm. But there's even simplest, like what position do they play? Mm. Like Antoine Dupont, he's probably a forward in 7s, but even like the most simplistic of things, like the physical aspect and the fitness requirements in 7s are completely different. And these are all fit athletes, right? But 7s fitness and the way they play the game is like a different sport. So it's going to be a massive shock. I'm going to be really interested to see how they adapt. Obviously, they've been given their spots, are they going to be good enough to play? We saw like in the commie games previously in previous Olympics, players come in, but they just can't maintain that rhythm for the length of time required. So it'll be really interesting to see what impact they have, how long they play, and if they can really help their nation, their nation's chances of winning the competition. Um, but in terms of like the buzz and what it stirs up around it, it's absolutely phenomenal.
0: And that's why they're in, obviously. Let's make no bones about it. they're not being picked. As amazing a rugby players as they are, brilliant athletes. They're being picked because of their profile, right?
1: Well, their profile. And also they do bring a lot with them. They're very gifted rugby players, but yeah. there's it's always a bit of me that has this. I don't know. There's boys that are there that are full-time, that have had these spots in between cycles and competitions, and they'll be devastated. Do you imagine that's your life's work and somebody gets parachuted in? And it's not guaranteed that they're going to be good. So, mate, all these things to work through. They obviously get to prep and they get the warm up competitions, the warm up tournaments to show what they've got. But for me, it's going to be the, the biggest adaptation is the, is the physical aspect of the game. Can they stick with the pace of sevens rugby? That I don't think people have an appreciation for just how quick and how physical it is. Like it's unbelievable. Um, so we'll see. Really interesting to watch the warm up tournaments and how they get on. And mate, mega, like Olympic year four rock stars, um, if it goes and it clicks, will be absolutely amazing for French rugby after they've just held the Rugby World Cup. So very cool. Four rock stars. Obviously, the headline act is Antoine
0: Dupont, but Mm -hmm. arguably, if you're looking at those four, the one that could potentially make the biggest difference, you'd say Sekou Makalu right? I was going to say Biay Barri.
1: Really? Okay. (laughs) But but that's the thing. Like Sekou Makalu again, would be another forward and a line-out operator. But Mm. there's also he's massive, right? How many people in the 7th Circuit are that size? N- not really any because you're like a titanic turning because you're coming up against the quickest whippets on the planet. So Sekou Maklo, you'd almost think, yes, you would have sort of edge physicality, can break tackles, can offload, has a high advantage. But Point of difference, yeah. Oh, massive point. A, a point. But then also, you're also carrying somebody that's going to turn differently and <laughs> it's really weird was the Ibarri is a guy that we know has that raw speed, can last at that Level uh, and he might fit um, more in a more straightforward manner. So, like, really, we'd see if he comes in or if Damien Peno comes in. We don't know who Bordeaux is going to release. Um, and Arthur Vincent, again, it's another one, like physically outside center. Like he's had two knee ACL reconstructions. Is he going to be fit enough to compete at that level? So, really interesting. Loads of buzz around the comp over here in France already. Um, and they're just adding a little bit of gold dust, which is pretty cool.
0: You mentioned Michael Hooper's doing it as well for Australia. France clearly going big as the hosts and and getting all these names in. If we see GB do it, any names you want to throw out there? Any players
1: you'd like to see transition to sevens? I mean, I'm thinking of wingers. I'm thinking who's the quickest? Henry Arundel. I'd love to see Keenan. Keenan, fullback from Ireland. He, He would easily, I think, in terms of the lightness he has, his GPS is off the charts, he's got all the... The technical ability, Henry Arundel. I mean, he's stuck together at the weekend. We can talk about that when we get to top 14. Phenomenal athlete, just needs ball in his hands. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any Welsh or Scots. Maybe not at the minute, but those two certainly. Kind of like Johnny May. Johnny May's retired from international rugby, but QT flit into a seven circuit and do a job? Potentially. So there's a few guys knocking around that would still be excellent. And these French players that
0: we know are going to do it, they're not only missing the Six Nations, presumably they're going to miss a lot of the club season as well.
1: Yeah. So that is the question for the club presidents: is who can you afford to lose? And they're obviously going to be compensated. So the loss of Antoine Dupont, there'll be a lot of finance coming from the FFR. Look, this is something that we want to bank on from the Olympic committee as well. Um, We want to be part of the competition. So they will be um, rewarded. Let's just say probably very handsomely um, for his time. And they also have to find a replacement in the interim. So they were hoping at Toulouse to get Santi Arata. Um, okay. from Cast, but he's re-signed at Cast. Um, so we shall wait and see who Toulouse bring in um, to make up for that loss. Because obviously Anton Dupont, we saw the impact he had at the weekend coming off the bench. Um, just mega. So who are they going to get?
0: We'll wait and see. And Toulouse could have quite a lot of cash floating around because by
1: all accounts, Melvin Jaminet may be off to Toulon imminently. Yeah. And you'd say that is good business for Toulouse and that he hasn't really clicked He still has certain things that he offer, like kick distance from backfield, off the tee, Um, but just with their style of play, he hasn't really had a proper run of games and when he has had a run, it hasn't really clicked for him Um, and he was poor again at the weekend. So apparently, there's a colossal offer coming from Toulon. They want to take him and again, we saw similar with Cheslin Colby where it was a good operation for Toulouse and and the timing was right for them to let him go and I think this is probably the right decision for, uh, for Toulouse and for Melvin Jamini as well who will want to Kick on, get regular game time, because that's not what he gets at, at Toulouse. you got to things as well, Ange, Ange Capoiseau hasn't really had that much game time, so it's only going to become more difficult. Toma Ramos is the indisputable first choice fullback. But, mate, it's weird. It's more and more like football. You get these mid-season signings yeah. and cash sloshing around the top 14. Um, but, yeah, probably the right move for Melvin to to move on.
0: I think with that one as well, we said it at the time, obviously Toma Ramos was... No fool at the time, he was a brilliant player. Then he stepped up to another level since then. But to bring in yep. Chaminet and Anish Capozzo at the same time with Thomas Ramos always there, it, it it didn't look like that was going to end brilliantly for all three of them. And obviously now we see one of them having to move on.
1: Yeah, and it almost it was like a shootout, which is horrible hmm. to say. But the pool that Toulouse has is that it's always been seen as the mega club, right? So the romantic part of French rugby players is they will accept a lesser salary to play for Toulouse. You know, if it's a question of earning maybe a couple of thousand extra pounds a month and playing for Grenoble or a little bit less and you play for Toulouse, they'll always choose to lose, And that's where you get three boys of that calibre coming in, all wanting to battle for a shirt. And obviously there's going to be one loser and it happens in Melvin Jamini. But that's, I guess, the beauty that, or the luxury that Ugo Mola has is that he has a decent budget and he has players that are willing to take less cash to come and play for him because it's Toulouse. And then he can sort of see the cards he's got in his hands, how he wants to play them and distribute them how he wants. And, and that's what we've seen. Um, and I think I think all parties would agree that Melvin probably been disappointed with how he's, played when he's had the opportunities, and you will be looking forward to kicking on and trying to do something a bit different with uh, with Toulon.
0: You mentioned sackings as well as transfers. He hasn't been there that long, but Patrice Colazzo has left he's the gone. building at brief.
1: He has gone, mate. He's already been replaced, incredibly. So they lost at home to Angoulême last weekend, or this weekend, or well, Thursday, so last weekend. I was called into the office on Monday, and that was it. And again, he's one of those blokes that he's gone from doing so well at La Rochelle to moving down to Toulon and not quite clicking. And I thought with Brieve, with the cash and the budget he had, you look at some of the players they brought in, like they've got an incredible roster of players and it just hasn't quite worked, even in pro de You'd think they've got so much firepower, they should be blowing everybody away easily and then plotting that return back to the top 14. They should bounce straight back up, but it just hasn't worked. So he has left already. Um, Pierre-Henri Broncan, who was with Eddie Jones with the Australian setup during the World Cup. He was previously the head coach at Cast, has just agreed a contract with them to arrive this week and take them through to 2026. He was looking at signing at Montpellier. Richard Cockrell took that role, so obviously that's spot gone. They've actually also brought in Antoine Batut this week, become their lineup coach down at Montpellier. Um, so yeah, Pierre-Henri Brancan, formerly of Cast, will now be the new head coach of brive immediately. Uh, I think from today he has signed and that is done, and he'll be trying to get their way back into the top 14.
0: You mentioned the link with Eddie Jones there. He as is always the case is in the headlines. Everyone's assumed that he's done and dusted to Japan, but he said not necessarily. And there could be a vacancy in the top 14. He's referenced a big European club as a potential destination for him. So can you see it in the top 14?
1: Um, I would be surprised in that there are fewer and fewer non-French speaking head coaches. You look even at Richard Cockrell arriving at Montpellier who speaks French, like speaks a bit of French, yes. but it's obviously going to be a slow start, getting yourself back into French um, and being able to, you know, explain yourself and get the detail you want over in French straight away. It's always going to be difficult. And Montpellier kind of paying. And I don't know if there was one club weirdly that I think would look at, it would be a club like Montpellier where it'd be a Moet, i decision, but they've got Neil McElroy, formerly head of everything behind the scenes at Clermont, who's just come in to be their director of behind the scenes, director of sport, director of rugby. Um, who's a good egg. And I think he would be way less inclined to take a non-French speaker.
0: Right. We'll chat a bit more about the top 14 later and get our guest on
1: shortly. But let's find out first what your meter moment of the week is, Johnny. Well, mate, I'm delighted we're doing it before he comes on. Cause it's actually him. you going Which should have been really awkward having to explain that he was awesome in front of him, but he was awesome. So Tyler Ardron at the weekend and there could have been a few boys, Zach Henry, friend of the show, 21 points, big win against Leon away from home. He was fucking metronomic as well. But Tyler, like as far as number eights go, and I remember playing against him when it was Scotland, Canada, back in the, the dark ages, like 2014 or one. something. The big one, mate, the big <laughs> one. I think we won by a point and a half. Um, <laughs> And I just remember thinking, this boy's special. And again, Canadian teams, that like I played with DTH, Van Der Merve, like some wonderful athletes. They just didn't have the depth, but he was somebody that stood out way back then. And I've loved watching him play ever since, no matter where he's been—Ospreys, Waikato, uh, and now we're in France. But at the weekend, they pumped iron axe, and he was front and center of everything. Ball carrying like it was a recital, mate. If you'd watched the game, the offloads, the way he goes forward—he's just got some real all-round qualities that you look for in a back rower. Um, couple of missed kicks, interesting as well. But I love the fact that he tries the kicks—that he's an all-rounder, that he's got footballing skills as well. Um, carried hard, aerial ability. Complete freak as well. Dominated everything, their ball, his own ball. Um, He is ridiculous in the air. He got over for a decent try. He's just signed two years Mm. this week as well. Um, So all positive. And he was just exceptional. So he is our meter moment of the weekend because he was a star at the weekend. Ridiculous.
0: There we go. No planning, no favoritism at all. Just pure coincidence that that he's on this week. (laughs) Pure
1: coincidence, but... Clearly not, but well, clearly is, because I don't want to say it in front of him.
0: There we go. That was Johnny's meter moment of the week. And Meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer. Recently making over 20 million cooks better with a game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan. And you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 10% off any full price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD10. And you'll get 10% off any full price item at meter.com. Let's get our guest on now, then, and we can have a chat with a very well traveled man, but one who's made France's home in recent years and it's gone pretty well. Cast Canadian back grower Tyler Aldrin joins us. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? We're good. Johnny was just singing your praises. So um, you've got a fan over here. Big win over right now at the weekend, and you must be happy generally with how the season started.
2: Yeah, for sure, especially getting the win after a pretty disappointing away game in, uh, in Paris against Stade Francais, so uh, no, it's pretty good to, to come back to cast in front of our supporters. I think they said it had been uh, six or seven weeks since we played in front of them, so it's quite a while.
1: Well, we'll talk about that game quickly before we talk about Oyonnax, the away game in Stade Francais. We spoke last week to a couple of boys up in Stade, JJ van der Mesh telling us about Rory Cocker. You played with Rory, I played with Rory as well at cast. What was it like playing against Rory your former coach and former teammate in Stade Français colors?
2: You know, I was actually uh, he, did, he didn't he uh, didn't he didn't talk too much. I think uh I think he's really been um been targeted by the refs from what I've seen the last few months uh in the Top 14. So I think he's uh he's toned it down a little but uh I mean, yeah, he he played well against us. He's definitely uh a player that can play well under pressure and apart from everything else he did, he was a centimeter, just a wrong bounce off of 50, 22 that would have uh, really kept them on the front foot. So uh, yeah, all credit to him. He's, he's definitely a good player.
1: And mate, for you personally, you made the team of the week in France this weekend. Things seems to be going well. You're loving life in cast. It's a great place to live.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I mean, there's not a lot of distractions. eh? Like I was, uh, I was in Paris, uh, like you said, two weeks ago, I was catching up with Brad Weber, a, a guy I played with at the chiefs and, uh, Already he'd been been out to a concert, been invited to 500 things and uh, pretty much the opposite here in cast. It's uh, it's pretty low. We're not uh, there's not a lot of things going on, but uh, the town gets behind the rugby. And if you want to be focused and uh, and turn around a game each week, it's a pretty good place to be.
0: Johnny, you know, it well, but Tyler, give us an insight into what it's like. because we have had a couple of cast boys on before and they sort of say it's like the, the town is the rugby almost. It's It's kind of one and the same
2: pretty much eh there's uh i'm trying to think what there is in the town <clears throat> in terms of big things there's the military uh, it's like the paratrooping capital of france so there's there's that going on and aside from that it's really the the rugby and uh pure fab who probably employ i don't know the percentage but it's it's got to be like a good chunk and pure fab are really the owners of cast so when you put those two together and uh consider it the rugby or the rugby supporters it's uh it's definitely the majority of the city
0: and let's talk about the Oinar game then because johnny mentioned all the good stuff you were in the team of the week i mean he's given you his player of the week everything of the week johnny has but i'm interested in a little clip i saw doing the rounds on social media what were you doing on top of them all
2: oh it's not where i wanted to end up uh (laughs) yeah i mean i I jumped It, it wasn't a good read it was uh in the system we have i probably shouldn't have jumped there i definitely shouldn't have jumped i saw they put uh they were running a bit of a special play and they put a bunch of uh, backs at the front of the lineup. So I was like, well, they have to throw in this area. There's only forwards here, but uh, now the two guys lifting me, I mean, we all just wanted to to get our heads down and start pushing. So they just threw me on top and uh, got into their work. So uh, yeah, I ended up the worst for wear out of it all, but uh, yeah, not where I wanted to be.
1: And the worst bit of scenarios has uh, happened to me before is you get thrown on there and you're like, right now I just don't want to give away a penalty. So I'm not going to move. And you're just stuck like <laughs> surfing a all looking like a tit but nowhere to go and everyone in the crowd was just like what is going on like it's the worst feeling I think it was even worse because I looked
2: over and I already saw the ref's arm go out so I'd already given away the penalty (laughs) and then I didn't know which way to get out of it like I wanted to go out the back but then they started moving and more guys joined so it got longer so I couldn't roll (laughs) out the back and I don't even know how I ended up falling off the side but yeah (laughs) you mentioned you're happy in cast
0: obviously and you've signed a new new deal so presumably really chuffed with that I'm guessing you had other offers so what what was the kind of motivation behind wanting to to stay long term?
2: Yeah, well, I think we do. We definitely have a lot of um, we we have a good chance at winning the league, uh, and it's a team that's pretty motivated. Like, I mean, I was just in training today, and Jack Goodhue showed up uh, for his first day to get integrated. And I think they've done quite well from uh, from the looks of things, recruiting for the next couple of years, but also the team we have this year and the way we've started. So. Uh, I don't have that many years left to rugby. I think um, got to make sure the body's still feeling good. But um, as I'm sure you guys, uh, as, as you know, it, it it drags on a bit as the as you get a bit older. And uh, I'd really love to win a professional league. So uh, it was definitely the the best chance of that.
1: But what does the initiation look like for you now? Like he's just arrived. You're not in Paris. Brad Weber isn't taking him to the Moulin Rouge. When I was in cast, it was a head shave or you were out from me on a few drinks. Like, what would we be doing to initiate him into the club? That'd be good for Jack, wouldn't it? A head shave. It's a bit dodgy as part, isn't it? He, he could do the head <laughs> shave, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: I didn't say it. But uh, no, it's pretty tame right now because, I mean, we've got the biggest game of our, biggest home game of our season probably this week, so... Uh, I think everyone just gave him a glance and said hello, and everyone's so focused on what we've got coming on Saturday that I think he might sneak under the radar and uh, really get away with this one.
1: Mate, those games, those weekends are extra because like, we know how much everyone in cast lives and breathes. Right? Well, like, What amazed me when I was in cast was on game day, like 80% of the town is closed because like, this, the town's only a population of 30-odd thousand, and then on game day, there's 20,000 in the stadium. But then Derby weekends against Toulouse it just like goes up to another level. So you have like, I don't know, that like feeling of a, a town being behind you. And then all of a sudden, when you're either going to Toulouse or they come to town, it just goes like next level. Can you feel that buzz? Like if you had people in watching training this week and you get that feeling again?
2: Oh yeah, I get, you get it straight away. I mean, I, no one hardly congratulated us after the Oina game. Every, every supporter was just saying Toulouse was coming next week. So uh, that's definitely the case. But uh, I, I mean, I think there's also that kind of like little brother uh, scenario going on with Cast and Toulouse. And uh, it's probably the one game where not only are they supporting us and behind us, but they're kind of wanting the worst for the opposition, which isn't normally the case. We have great supporters. So uh, that just adds like almost a little extra to it.
0: You mentioned Jack Goodhue coming in. Generally speaking, I don't think it's disrespectful to say that Cast do a brilliant job recruitment wise, but they do it based on kind of grit or steel or or a certain amount of kind of personal characteristics and traits there aren't generally a load of big egos other
2: yeah no big time uh yeah like the the big name signings almost never end up in cast it's quite a it really makes for a good environment like i've never been at uh at one of the other french clubs but i mean i have lots of friends playing and i've heard you can start to get that um the distance between a lower guy and a higher guy we, we don't have any of that like it's all it's all quite in the middle here at cast and everyone works hard and, and there's real genuine competition for the spots. It's not uh, as if anyone's going to play. Uh, but from talking to my friends in New Zealand and uh, getting to talk to Jack the last couple months, just welcoming him and kind of helping him get set up here. Uh, it sounds like that's kind of what his role's always been at the Crusaders and with the All Blacks. I know he was in the leaders group for defense and he's kind of like a gritty, hardworking player himself.
0: That's a big part of recruitment, isn't it? They'll have done their homework. Like, I assume Jack will fit in.
1: It's quite weird in that it doesn't really change even with the coaching cycle. So, like, I had like two or three coaches when I was at cast. Obviously, you've got Bronkins just left, you've got Davidson in there now. But the type of profile they go for, it sort of generally seems somebody with a point to prove or like an underdog or a like you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with like you compare Toulouse and like the rock star mentality they probably look at and like the sort of chic of going to like a Paris or and then there's, like, country town, simple people, happy living. You get together, you barbecue on the weekend, and they just try to recruit, like, I don't know what word, dogged in the mentality, but sort of rugged, simple people that are going to come in and do a job, which is pretty cool. And then that sort of forms, like, the identity of the team is formed around those people and the town. Like, it all sort of forms nicely into really tight because there's not much distraction and good people that you're spending good, t- good time with and then you want to go off to war with. So... But that's what I loved about Cast. That was my best experience, probably the teams I played for in France. And again, like yourself, good Gucci, people they, they got come in, like Big Tom Standard Forth or kind of fit that mold, which I love. And it seems like it's gonna keep on going.
2: Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, they get it right. And like you said, the coaches, I mean, it's my fourth season here, and I joke with Jeremy. I tell him not to get too comfortable because you never know what can happen. But yeah. uh we get along great, so I like to give him a bit of shit. But uh yeah, I mean, it's my fourth season, my third coach, and uh every time we've turned around and and climbed back up the league. So uh, with the group we have, it it doesn't take much to just turn a switch and we can really start winning games.
0: And with the news this week, you've almost done a swap with Brie. Obviously, pierre Henry Broncon has sort of gone there. You played under him. What's the big difference obviously a french coach but who has worked under eddie jones now in australia clearly a smart guy and jeremy davidson coming in and leading you now are there there major differences between the two
2: i mean in terms of the level of coaching there's not a major difference like they're both they're both good coaches like pure is one of the one of the smartest rugby minds i've ever come across uh but he would have had a little bit more trouble conveying it to the group like his messaging was a little less clear uh whereas jeremy's really like he's he's on it like he's got his theme of the week and the things we want to focus on and he he really makes sure that those are priorities um so they're quite different um coaching styles but uh no i mean they've both been they've both been great and they've both i mean pure he we finished first in the league and and we lost the final to montpellier with him and like he's an amazing coach so um yeah i know he'll do well at Brieve. and then um jeremy came in and we were kind of down to the bottom of the league and we started winning game after game. He really rallied the troops and, and got everyone on the same page. So they've kind of fit the mold of what was needed at the time, both.
1: It's something interesting as well, the point like three coaches, four seasons or four coaches, three seasons, either way. But I always found as well, because of the volatility, you're always a little bit insecure about your spot on the team. A new coach is going to come in. Are you going to get re-signed? Is there going to be a contract? But you've obviously done enough with each single one of these coaches to pick up the game time, nail it down, earn yourself a spot and keep chugging forward but like just generally how do you find top 14 like style wise like you've obviously like played Canada national team you've been in the UK as well you're the Ospreys you're part of super rugby but like coming to top 14 how do you find the different style that clearly suits you so well
2: yeah well it didn't suit me that well coming here if I'm honest uh because I started playing well I was playing a lot for the Chiefs and uh we, we lost the South Africans heading into... I guess I never really played much when we lost the South Africans, but we started training and we realized once they were gone, we were just going to try to win the league with speed. And it, the rugby just started kind of changing. And I, and I didn't last very long. I, I came to France quickly after that. Uh, but then I came here and it was a real struggle. Like I'd been in confinement. I, can't, I was down to like 105 kilos. I didn't have a gym. I was just running every week. And they wanted me to play a bit of second row and yeah, coming at 105 kilos. They're like, I think we got the wrong guy. So yeah, it took me, it took a bit of adjustment, but the thing kind of two things have happened to really put me in a good place in the top 14. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of the teams have signed a lot of the best players in the world and it's sped the game up in the last two or three years. Uh, so that's kind of led to me kind of helping my game a bit more as well as myself getting comfortable and what's my role and like, where can I be effective? Uh, I'm not, I'm just not a great ball carrier straight into two guys. Like, some guys that's that's with their strength. And me, if I get a one on one, I can do some things, and get my hands free. Uh so I've I've really been able to kind of get myself into a position in the team where where I can use my strengths. Um and I'd say between those two things, that's kind of led to I've really felt better each year. And I mean, yeah, the body's not getting any younger, but
1: I think my rugby's kind of been improving as I'm as I'm getting older here. It's a really interesting point you made about the Chiefs as well. Like the South Africans leaving super rugby how much of a detrimental effect do you think that's going to have on kiwi rugby and aussie rugby generally the fact that they're now away in urc and playing as european sides where does that leave those southern hemisphere sides without south africa
2: yeah i mean it's sad like some of my best friends are over there you know like and i, and I talk to them and yeah I'm not, i don't i don't hold anything back on what i think of it cuz i think they really need to get it sorted cuz i want the best for new zealand rugby i think they have such an amazing culture and I would hate to see them start falling down. And and like, like we saw, they can get things together and really play well. The world cup showed it, but if it's going to be five or four super rugby teams from New Zealand, beating everyone except the Brumbies every week from Australia, it's, it's gonna, I think everyone's just going to come to an equal level and maybe Australia will come up a little, but they're both going to be teams at at a very similar level after a few years. And I don't think that bodes so well for, uh, for the Kiwis, so I think you can see what the South Africans have done. Like they've joined Europe, and I mean they're going well in the URC and the World Cup. They went really well again.
0: On a personal note, talking about how you adjusted to life in the top 14, and and the fact that they maybe wanted you to play a bit of second row, and you have played a bit of second row before. Some people, kind of towards the end of their career, might transition into the second row to prolong their career. You've said a couple of times that you don't have that long left. I, I, from the outside, it looks like you've got years left, but is that something you consider doing if if someone said you can add another couple of years if you play second row?
2: I mean, I would I would consider it. I have no issues uh, with doing it. I think just the way that the structure of rugby is going is you can see it's really becoming like a set-piece game and not just a set-piece scrum and line-out, but you're going to receive a kick, you're going to set up, you're going to have guys chasing, you're going to have guys making a long line of to protect the box kicker, things like that. I just think it doesn't really lead well or lend well to my style of rugby to put my to put myself in with those big guys like I mean guys are getting big like you see these second rows now 130 plus kilos and like I'm struggling to make sure I can be over 110 every weekend now so I mean sure I would be willing to do it but I don't think it it fits that well and luckily I played so much so many sports growing up that I I kind of built that athleticism where I can my strength is getting around the park and and chasing more so Sure, I would do it, but I think I'm better off trying to take care of the body and uh, and stay where
1: I am. And like looking ahead, another World Cup in four years' time, again, you must have been incredibly disappointed for Canada to miss out on the Rugby World Cup in France, you being here in France. That must have been heartbreaking. But the fact that you do have that hybrid nature, you can play back row, second row, you'll be, what, 35 and a half for the next World Cup in Australia. Do you still have hopes and dreams of making that World Cup and finishing on a real high note with Canada in four years time
2: yeah that's kind of my objective i think like that's right around the time i'd like to retire um and like you said i think my body will be fine but um i don't want to push an extra year out of it like there's there's things i want to do after rugby I, i've done a an undergrad degree i've done a master's i want to like kind of kind of make sure those things are well set up and i also want to be ready to attack each season and and do the best i don't want to draw out an extra season to you know get a bit more money or something so Um, Yeah, I've kind of I've kind of set that as a bit of an objective for myself. I'd love to play. uh, I've signed two more seasons after this year at cast one more top 14 season, I would hope leading into that World Cup and kind of really go out on a high then if we can qualify and I don't want to bank on it. But having 24 teams sounds like in the next World Cup should uh, should give us at least a better chance of, uh, of qualifying if we can get things right. So yeah, that'd be great. You were
0: parachuted in, weren't you, to play in that game against Chile, was it? A qualification for the 2023 World Cup, but it didn't play too much sort of around that. So how did you find kind of going into that game and the whole setup and and what transpired eventually? Obviously, as Johnny said, was very disappointing.
2: It was just a really, uh, it was really unfortunate. Like I I wanted to play both games, uh, so I got all my stuff ready and in order, I thought. Uh, but in Europe it was all during covid. So in Europe if you had covid once and a vaccine, that counted as vaccinated. And then in Canada, you even if you'd had covid, you needed two vaccines. Mm-hmm. So I had my flight sent to me. I was getting ready to I was going to play a game and then the next week fly over in preparation, and then the Canadian government said I wasn't allowed to go be in Canada because yeah. I so then that same day I went got my vaccine and then I was eligible to be in Canada like on the Sunday and they played on Saturday or something. So I, I couldn't even play the first home game just because of those reasons. And I wanted, I thought, okay, well, I'll spend the most amount of time I can with the team. Cause you know, I'm only one player, but I feel like the, the experience I have and the things I can maybe help with is probably more valuable even than what I can put on the field. So I flew from France to Victoria, BC and went out there. It's like a 15, 16 hour journey just for a day and a half to be with the team. So then I could travel with the team to Chile We hadn't got, I mean, I don't know whose job it was, but someone hadn't done the paperwork so that I could transit through the States. So I didn't even get to be with the team. I got detained at the border, got sent to Toronto to fly over the States to Panama, basically arrived like Friday before the game. So yeah. And then what we ended up just losing like a close game went to, to not qualify. So for me, it was just, it was just chaos. Like, I mean, there was probably some things could have been done better organization wise. And you can see that when you look at rugby Canada, like, it's no secret that things aren't going well and, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, but then also in that whole pandemic going on, like there is probably so much for them to worry about outside of rugby. It just it was just terrible.
0: Sounds like the script of a film,
1: Johnny. Like planes, trains, automobiles, detained at borders. Like it's, it's insane. And Tyler trying to get back to save the day, mate. I'm yeah. so sorry for you. Um and mate, you touched on it a little bit there, but like issues behind the scenes, like I've got mates obviously that play for different nations as you do. And like when you say it's no secret, things aren't you know quite the way they should be behind the scenes. Like, can you unpack that a little bit? Like, what is going on behind the scenes with rugby Canada?
2: Well, yeah. So I'm obviously not overly involved right now. I have a new CEO. Like I've never spoke to him. He's never called me. I don't know. Like maybe they're not that keen on getting the pros back. I'm not sure. I see a lot of things online like saying I won't play for Kingsley Jones or whatever. Like there's nothing like that. I mean.
1: Is it because of the flights?
2: No, like nothing to do with that, really. Like that was chaos. But I mean, I've been through worse, man, with Rugby Canada. Like I think uh, it wasn't when we played you guys, uh, but we played Ireland uh, because we really wanted to take a game during the British and Irish Lions. They were willing to come over and we were doing the Pacific Nations Cup. So we decided to take an Ireland game on Saturday, knowing we had a Wednesday game in Toronto on Saturday, knowing we had to play Wednesday in Japan. So, and we fly only coach, like I never saw a business class seat my whole life in rugby Canada. So like, I'm fine with that kind of travel. Like those are the things you do to play for your country when you're from Canada. But no, like, I mean, like I said, I- I'm just a competitor and like, I want to play the best rugby I can. And, um, I know Canada's playing this weekend in, uh, in Spain against Brazil, but cast is playing at home to Toulouse. And that's one of the biggest games of the year. And when I compare like yeah, when I think back after I retire like to play games like that and hopefully put myself on the best stage compete with the best like that's what I want to do and and that's the reason for it it's it's not even to do with the the organization of things or how bad it's going it's just about what I want to get out of my rugby career.
0: So in terms of you not playing for Canada at the moment that is Literally situational, as in the not not the pressure from club side of things, but just that the, it clashes too much.
2: Yeah, no, like I mean, cast haven't put pressure on me not to play. Like I never went to them and asked to play, but just like I mean, I wouldn't for this game, you know. Like no. we had win at home, and then to lose at home the next weekend, like that's just that's what I'll remember that forever. I'll never forget the to lose game. So
1: yeah, that's why. But there's also specific windows that you're meant to be released. This one falls outside the window, so like there's no hope or expectation for Canada rugby Canada to get people that are taking part in these massive games in the club calendar to drop it to play against Brazil. Like there's a certain amount of back and forth and understanding, surely. Like it's weirdly as well, you said there's things online you'll never play for Kingsley Jones. Like he's just been given an extension in 2025, despite the fact Canada didn't qualify. Like Where do you think stuff like that comes from? Is that just rubbish that's churned up by somebody stirring up shit somewhere? Oh, yeah, I see all kinds of it. But it's the thing, like I said, I'm not,
2: when when Kieran Crowley was there, I was so involved. Like I started captaining when I was like, geez, I want to say 23, maybe it was 24, I think 23. Uh, And like, he'd already had a psychologist working with me for a few years. Like we'd really built up to things. Uh, When we were hiring a new coach, there was not just myself, but some older guys as well. We were on the call listening we couldn't we couldn't the coaches couldn't see that we were there but they wanted player feedback like they wanted they wanted to to keep moving it forward with us as a team um but since then i mean like yeah I've, i've had almost no contact i do talk to kingsley often like he he just understands the situation like if he was in my if he was in my place he would do the same so yeah i see a lot of things online that i don't know they're not grounded in any sort of truth so
1: and how would you describe kingsley as a coach uh
2: you know what like he has, how I like describe him quickly is tough. But what I will say is we weren't going to qualify for the 2019 World Cup. And I um, mean, you know, I'd been captaining the country every game I played for a long time, but I couldn't be there because I was with the Chiefs. So uh, they were doing all these training camps. And he said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make uh, Phil Mack the, co- the captain. We're going to take all these like local Canadian guys, build a leadership group, and we're going to bring you in and a couple of professionals to play at the end. And I was like, shit! Like it felt really weird to me because like it was almost an ego hit, but more so, I was like, I think I can give more to the team. And uh, we ended up going there, playing really simple, almost stupid rugby, and winning because we didn't have super hard games. I think we had like we had Germany, we had Hong Kong, and uh, not in America, Kenya, I think. Uh, so we just had to be—we we were the best of those four teams, so we just had to really keep the ball and be simple. And for things like that, I think he does actually have a really clear idea of what Canada, like where we're at right now. Uh, So I give him a lot of credit for that, because if you bring in a really good coach, he might think, let's try to actually work on things, make progress the team. But he knew he had an objective just to win a few games. Uh, So I think he does have a really good idea of where it's where it's at uh, the rugby level in Canada. And I just think the, the level of players is is what's letting us down. I don't think it's the coaching right now
0: and johnny mentioned the new contract that he's been given to to 2025 obviously there is a lot of criticism online for kingsley james that's it's going to be there because canada failed to qualify for the world cup you've mentioned kind of the the pros and cons and strengths there i suppose is a large part of it that you want a bit of continuity or, or how do you see it And 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 i suppose some of the criticism he gets might be valid but is there also people miss what's happening underneath as you say like he's he's fighting fires up against certain things
2: yeah well like i've said to to everyone that's asked me like i don't think he's the main problem in professional sports if someone has a record like that should they go probably yeah uh, i mean i've said that to him as well like he, we we have really open honest conversations there's no there's no hiding it but what they would replace him with is it going to be any better I assume that they looked and said no. And that's why they made the decision. Like I said, I haven't been part of the decision at all. Uh, I don't know what the alternatives were. But I yeah, I guess like, yeah, if you look at, I mean, cast, we would lose a few games, like I said, three coaches and four se- well, four C, se- three seasons and six games. And I've had three different coaches. So, uh, yeah, like, I mean, you when you look at it from the outside, you definitely you'd want to change the coach. But I don't know who's putting their hand up to take that job right now. So,
1: And what have you made generally about the sort of new format of the Autumn Nations competition that's being reformatted? And again, in terms of game time, quality, opposition for Canada, it's going to be blocked at the start and there's two tiers and there's no promotion relegation for a few seasons. But in terms of more regular games against high caliber opposition, how much of a help do you think that's going to be for Rugby Canada?
2: That's the Pacific nations cup. We're back into, is it? Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I like, I'm a little worried right now that there's been a big disconnect. Like we used to play that back in when I started in 2012 up to 2015, I think we were playing that, but I mean, we would win at least half of our games against like Japan, uh, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga. And I think that gap's really grown lately. So um, I don't, I don't know. Like there's, there's both sides of it. Like it's, you do want to play against the best, but also but is losing by 50 points for four games in a row going to going to progress you i'm not sure i think it's good that that we won't progress up from there that we can play those games but uh yeah i think the the next the next year will show uh will show where we're at but yeah i don't know it's 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 good that we're playing better games so i can say that
0: you mentioned the gap it's funny because when people talk about the so-called tier two nations and no one really likes talking about tier one and tier two, but it, it's it been there historically, so we might as well. There's a lot of chatters in there about the Pacific nations and and helping them and, and things have been done in recent years and it's getting better and better and better. There's a bit of a spotlight on the USA who also failed to qualify for the World Cup and, and really struggled. And we spoke to David Arnoux and a few of the other guys about their plight or what's going on in usa rugby do you feel like in a way north america gets forgotten about a little bit
2: yeah i think so i mean having the moana pacifica and the fiji Drua, i mean that's it's helping huge for those guys because they have all kinds of professionals all over the world but then now they have like a, a base and a culture that they can draw on when they all come back and uh we don't we don't even have the guys playing professionally really in canada but there's always been so much talk like, oh, we'll put a team on the West Coast to can play in Super Rugby or we'll put a team on the East Coast to can play in the URC. And you hear so much about it, but it's never come to fruition. But for me, that's exactly what needs to happen. Like you need to play against the best. And even if that team starts out with 22 out of the 23 guys playing every weekend being foreigners over, over a certain amount of years, I think you'd integrate enough North American players. And And that's not even just talking Rugby Canada, like Rugby America as well. Like the two need to grow together. They can't grow separate. So yeah, I think uh, we have been forgotten about, but I guess it's kind of our own fault, right? Like if nobody's stepping up to invest in it, that's the reality of professional rugby. Like money speaks in the end of the day and obviously no one's put the money up front to do it.
0: Obviously the MLR is there, but it's been through so many sort of iterations and has kind of failed and then come back. It seems to be doing okay at the moment, but maybe that's going to take, Quite a long time to sort of get to that level that you're talking about. It's not going to get to the level of Super Rugby or URC or Premiership or whatever. So, it's a hard one.
2: Yeah, I see player like there's some good players going over there, but then I also see that Chile keeps one team together for the whole year, and so does Uruguay, minus a couple professionals, and then they beat Canada in the US. So, I had such high hopes for the MLR, but I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to look at what actually happens, and it doesn't work out that well.
0: So if you were Bill Beaumont, then come on. If we're sort of saying that maybe Canada get forgotten about a little bit, I know it's difficult when you're in charge and you're in a position of power. But if you were to sort of give us a few key points that could really help Canada, is it money? Is it infrastructure? Is it what would the key points be for you?
2: Well, that like for me, that's all it is, and that's why like I don't point any fingers at World Rugby. Like they've got so many things to do, and uh, we talk a big game having in the US and Canada having all these big supporters of rugby and this and that, but. I mean, it's the same with rugby, like you're responsible for your own destiny and your own performance. And uh, we've never had any of these people that come around and point fingers at everyone else, step up and put the money up for a, a professional team to compete in one of the leagues. Cause I am pretty confident if someone went to super rugby or the URC and said, this is our plan, we're going to bring a team. I I'd be very surprised if they said no to uh, something in America or Canada. So uh, yeah, I feel like we just, we haven't had the support and we haven't had the the right people step up and do it. That's, that's all we're waiting for.
0: I know Jamie Cudmore is involved in, in some way, having played in the the top 14 and he's gone back there for you personally, you mentioned what you might do after playing rugby. Would you think about going in and trying to fix some of these problems if you were asked?
2: Well, that's, yeah, I get asked that a lot, but I, I don't, I just don't see where the, where the solution is. If, if there was like a good clear plan, a good team of people together and we all started working on the same page, I mean, that's what rugby is. So I love a call. I love a challenge and I love, uh, I love working for it, but I don't see, uh, I don't see where the, where the finish line is, or even, I don't see the progress being made in the right way. So currently uh, I've probably got other things I would prefer to do, but I mean, I know without rugby Canada and without Kieran Crowley and Neil Barnes, those guys that were helping the program out, I would have never got a shot at professional rugby. And this has been my whole life for 12, 13 years now. So I'd love to give back where I can, but I'm not just going to go, uh, Hit my head against the wall for four years and get spit out the other end. So
1: well, mate, I'm sure there will be some sort of spot when you finish. There'll either be coaching or performance or leading or part of the back scene stuff. Like you've got so much to offer, so much experience from being over in different parts of the world. You've seen so much. So clearly you're gonna be a resource they're gonna to want to tap into. Let's talk quickly about different challenge, maybe a slightly more tangible, closer to home coming up this weekend, Derby weekend, Toulouse. Saturday night, nine o'clock kickoff, live on TV. You've done your analysis. How's it going to go and why? What have you seen that you need to stop? And how are you going to beat lose?
2: Well, we've seen that there's probably going to be about 15 internationals on the field against us at the same time. Uh, so, <laughs> so we probably want to stop each of them individually. But no, it's going to be a collective from us. I mean, uh, we're not going to beat them individually one-on-one. So uh, we're going to have to stick to our game plan. Yeah, I mean we've we like every week you analyze the opposition as much as you can. You look for places to uh to exploit them, but it's not going to be a weekend of doing anything really special. I mean, they're a well-drilled team that have a lot of good players and we need to keep the ball when we have it and, and make them pay by yeah, by going forward. Cause uh when they have it, it's it's all hands on deck to keep them out.
0: The fixture's not fallen well, has it, really? As in, I know obviously you're used to playing against Toulouse with all their superstars, but if you had played them, well, even last week Antoine DuPont came off the bench, didn't he? They? And they've kind of eased their stars back in. I imagine this weekend this full ball.
2: Yeah, but I mean that's what you want, isn't it? Like <laughs> yeah. I want to win, but I'd rather win with all them there than uh than not. So uh if we're gonna if we're gonna get one over on them, I'd rather than bring everyone.
1: Mate, also for the fans like for the cast fans, for the faithful, they'll want those boys beaten. And it means even more to them mm-hmm. if they beat Antoine Dupont, who used to play for cast as a yeah. kid, you know, like it'll be epic. When you do the analysis, like obviously very difficult, but when you analyze a side like Toulouse, can you find any weakness? What little types of things have you seen that you think you could exploit this weekend? Yeah, oh, it's tough
2: to say too much now, eh? Cause uh, <laughs> we've got a game coming up on Saturday, but what I will say is, uh, there's less opportunity the way that they defend than there are against other teams. I mean, um, you really they, they force you to keep the ball and do all the simple things well. They don't uh they don't leave areas, they don't uh they don't make many mistakes. So you really have to beat them. They're not gonna beat themselves. There you go. That was very
1: media <laughs> train that johnny. was i am saying We're not absolutely giving any nothing, away. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nothing.
0: <laughs> thanks so much for coming on tyler uh good luck this weekend keep your feet on the ground no more surfing this week
2: <laughs> yeah i'll do my best cheers tyler thanks mate thanks guys take care
0: tyler very candid johnny obviously slightly embarrassed by you giving him the big build-up but um aside from that particularly on canada you know he he said what you'd want him to say. He didn't hide away from any of the questions and he was honest.
1: He just reminds me of like what a caricature Canadian would be. (laughs) Totally lovely, honest, um, and just a really nice guy. So no, it was great to hear little bits about behind the scenes and how it works. And there's obviously been a lot of criticism levelled, but they've probably punched above their weight because they've had some exceptional, You know, your Jamie Cudmore's, DTH Vandermeer's, Tyler's. They've had some phenomenal players come through and they've pumped really far above their weight. So yes, disappointing they missed out on this cycle. They will definitely be involved as will the USA in the next cycle and you want them to do well because they're good people, they enjoy their rugby and they play really well. So if they can sort it out, maybe unearth a couple of gems in the next couple of seasons, get them playing a bit more in Europe to lead these sides. Um, Yeah, they can fly potentially at a World Cup in Australia in four years' time. And the
0: story about him missing one of the games in qualification, and then getting there literally just in time for the second one is obviously incredible, but more broadly, it just shows that they, some of these countries do have very good players playing around the world. Often they don't or can't play in those qualifying games and the games in between big tournaments. And even when they do try to like Tyler, they come up against some massive blockades.
1: Yeah. I think that was unfortunate because it was COVID, which made it yeah. even harder. And I think, as sort of European-based internationals and, and players playing in Europe, we sometimes forget logistically how hard it is for your Canadian, your South American, your African that's going back and forth to the other side of the world, for your Pacific Island team. So you've always got these logistical hurdles. But like you said, like he wouldn't change it for the world in that he's playing with his country, he's getting to see the world, It's playing with Canada that's given the opportunity to play pro rugby and earn him those spots, at so the Ospreys, at the Chiefs. And now in cast. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of time spent flying in airports, cattle class with your knees up around your ears, Um, but it's worth it. And yeah, it it was great to hear him talk about it.
0: And also that's a story that uh, most people won't have heard. I don't know. I haven't heard it. It wasn't massively high profile and had such a massive impact because we're not, blowing smoke up Tyler's us. Oh, if he'd have played right. in that game if he'd had a proper preparation for the second game there's every chance Canada could have beaten Chile and they could have been at the World Cup
1: Well mate you've removed the best player from the team he's the captain he calls line out he ball carries absolutely everything. he's man of the match in top 14 games like you stick a guy that really tips the favour in your tips everything in your direction so really unfortunate but that might have been the difference right there between Canada participating in a World Cup In the end, it was chilly, but I mean, just incredible that it was those type of qualifiers that came down and it was the unfortunate nature of missing those little details that meant that he couldn't participate in the games, which is insane. We spoke
0: about Tyler's performance before we got him on to save your embarrassment. And then I embarrassed you anyway. Um, If you hadn't given the metre moment of the week to Tyler Ardron, Henry Arundel
1: would have been in with it now on debut? Oh, outrageous. Have you seen back the clips of his tries? Yes. I mean... Steve Borthwick, give the guy the ball and stop kicking the ball. Give this boy some ball, a little bit of go forward. What he can produce is just ridiculous. Like the output, physically, the pace for his first two tries, his third try, the power to break the tackle of an Australian international centre, like just incredible. A hat trick on debut in the top fourteen, and quite rightly now, like a buzz around him. Like what a talent, and you just want to see more. Like you obviously scored five. In one game at the World Cup, he's got outrageous qualities. So you just hope now England pick him, they give him game time, and young English kids get to see this boy playing on the wing for England. He was absolutely outrageous at the weekend.
0: I did see someone as well, rather harshly, (laughs) I don't know why they did this, put a video together of him being a bit suspect in defence in that game. I mean, he scored a hat-trick, he's 20 years old. I mean, give him a break. Obviously, that's a game, an element of this game that in the top 14 will naturally get better as well. So you pick him now for his attacking abilities. It's not like he's bad in defence, but maybe he made a couple of mistakes. And then that, I think, in the top 14 will also improve his defensive
1: game. Yeah, I mean, that type of physical prowess and talent, you can't replicate. So, I mean, obviously, somebody's going to shit on him for a couple of defensive errors, but that type of attacking flair, not many people have. I know what I'd rather have, and it's the ability to do what he does in attack. Um, mate, the, the physical capacity that that body has is 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 ridiculous. So, mate, I'm looking forward to seeing him play this weekend again. He could have easily been one of the players of the weekend. He was, he was phenomenal. But that pace, you just can't replicate it. But he also has the power. That's the difference. It's not just top-line speed. It's the ability to break a tackle, get past somebody, eventually offload. Um, so, no, exciting for him right at the start of his career as well. But what a talent. Conspiracy theory,
0: but that account that posted the um, defensive frailties, maybe Steve Borthwick, anonymous Steve Borthwick. This is why I didn't pick
1: him. There's a good there's a good chance. Can't chase kicks, he's not
0: coming in. Elsewhere, you did touch on it earlier on, but Zach Henry to the four, big win for Stade Francais.
1: Well, that was massive. Away to Leon as well. And that's a huge win, given the context of, of both sides where they are. New coaching staff's coming in. Zach Henry, 21 points, faultless. Um, and they really did look effective together. And we spoke to JJ last week. And again, just that impetus of having a new coaching team, the detail and the confidence they have, you could see that coursing through them. And then normally you go to Leon, that would be a stodgy, difficult affair. But Stad Francais looked absolutely settled, confident in themselves, and they blew Leon away for large stages of the game. So uh, yeah, really excited to see what Stad France can do. Chuffed as well for Zach Henry, friend of the show, loves a shoof. Um, and difficult for Leon as well. Young new coach coming in and it's it's a horrible competition. The top 14, you lose a couple of games and you're back down to the bottom in the basement. So interesting to see how they bounce back this weekend too.
0: We've chatted a bit about La Rochelle's struggles in previous weeks. They did win this week. It wasn't convincing, obviously, but a young kid, Hugo Reyes. Mate,
1: just. They won that game by nothing. And I mean, Bayern, who were poor the week before, came to La Rochelle and made La Rochelle look ordinary. And this is the worrying thing like for La Rochelle still without Greg who's going to be out till January, Antonio was on the bench essentially came on and and shored up their scrum because Colomb still is quite high he wants to he wants to much high and almost like ends up shoving with his chest like he wants to finish high and it's really weird watching him scrum. And you just get a real sense for how important those players that are still missing are. Despite the fact that they've got Soutini, they've got Dante, they've got Hastoy. They're still missing Antonio, Skelton and Alder. Those are the three big bodies that make the difference for them. And no matter how well coached you are, you go back to this game. It is a game of confrontation, of physicality, of winning gain line and looking after ball. And they just struggled. And Reus has come off the bench. He hasn't even touched the ball, mate. Like, He's come off the bench two minutes before the end of the game, a penalty from nothing, and he's knocked it over to win the game. But that could really easily have been a home draw for La Rochelle or a loss. So, yeah, for them, and I know Rog was joking about it and they hope something has to change. It's not the coach. They're not going to change Rog, but he needs to get his players back quickly. But it just shows the margins in the top 14. If you don't have your top firepower there, things can change very quickly and it's cruel. Um, And those three players for La Rochelle are absolutely huge for them.
0: We're hopefully going to have a chat with a player or two from Poe in the coming weeks. They are ticking along really nicely.
1: Bordeaux had a lot of stars back, but Poe saw them off. Yeah, the thing that I enjoy about Poe is that they, this is going to sound disparaging if any of the Poe boys are listening, but they don't have any real superstars. I know they've got Sam Whitelock coming, Luke Whitelock's there, two ABs. But you've got a really decent nucleus of young French players. You've got young Oradou that's been coming in, playing from the second row. Um, he looks like he's going to be superb. Simmons from 10, who's controlling things really nicely. Dan Robson, who's hopefully coming on the podcast the next few weeks. But there's no, like, rock stars. And I don't mean that to be condescending, but they play well as a team. And they scrap out well as a team. They're well-organized. They're organized in defense. And when they've got ball, they're potent as well. They convert their opportunities. So... Great to see them marching on when you consider other sides and maybe have those bigger names, bigger signings. A bit like Cast, Poe just quietly ticking along really well effectively and picking up another win against the Bordeaux side, like you mentioned. Damian Peno, Mathieu Jalibert, Tamifuna, all these guys back, but Poe still do getting the business done.
0: Yeah, Dan, if you're listening, I think you're a rock star, so speak to you in the,
1: in the next couple of weeks.
0: Uh, uh, at the other end of the table, Johnny, Montpellier lost at home to Clermont. That's five defeats in a row now.
1: That's not good, man. And again, we talked about it at the start of the programme, but Cocker's coming in. It's just difficult, mate. As an English-speaking coach, I know he'll be trying his best in French. You've got Lanny, Stu Lancaster as well. Slightly different fortune, but a few tight wins, which maybe makes it more flattering. Rassing, high, Montpellier, a couple of tight losses, losing at home as well. Five on the bounce. And you're like, the cruel reality of that is that it isn't going to last long. Um, they've just brought in Antoine Batut to be line out coach, but you know, how long a streak do they go on before a change is made? Five, six, seven losses. So you hope that this weekend they can get out back, back out there and do something. It isn't gonna be easy, but mate, Clermont Claremont were very good. Montpellier were made to look absolutely ordinary. But Claremont, the physicality, Kramer, George Moala, Urda a standoff, pumped up, not physical, but um just pumped up, motivated, and, and they were exceptional. So absolutely worth their victory down in Montpellier. And Montpellier are going to have to change things fairly quickly if they're going to start winning.
0: On the road at Perpignan this week, that could be a huge game.
1: Hey, that's not easy. Going to per- Perpignan is not an easy place to go. I know Montpellier on paper have a slightly stronger and better depth to their squad um, and slightly more talented, but Perpignan are playing for their lives. You see the, the, the post-match debriefs of Mathieu Aceves and, and the players down there, Frank Azema, they actually now play a much better structured game of rugby that potentially before was a bit more volatile and a bit looser um, but for Montpellier like Perpignan is not a place that you want to be going on the road and picking up an easy win that is going to be a difficult game for them this weekend and what other games are you looking forward to this week some big ones well mate we've talked to Tyler I am looking forward to the cast to lose Derby that's a huge one um, the Parisian Derby I've always looked forward to watching that as a neutral as well Stade francais racing. Francais-Rassing um, La Rochelle against Bordeaux. So Bordeaux are looking decent. La Rochelle hopefully will have Will Skelton Antonio back. So you're looking at some big dogs duking out this weekend at La Rochelle. And they have to be better to find confidence, find some points as well before they go into European rugby. Um, but Bordeaux, when you think about the talent they've got packed into that side now, they are difficult and they can go on the road and win anywhere. Um, and the other one is Clermont against Toulon. A Little bit different for Clermont this year because you've got Oyona and um Leon in the competition. You lose Breve, so Clermont's local or nearest rival that was Brieve no longer there. They're on to Toulon, but I've always got a soft spot for Bayonne as well, mate. As you know, they're hosting Poe this weekend, which is a big derby down here in the southwest. So looking forward to that one as well. Bayon probably a bit more confidence about them after that performance at La Rochelle so they'll be looking to get a win over Poe who we just spoke about and are also flying high so looking forward to that one too Thanks
0: Johnny and massive thanks to Tyler Ardron for joining us and thanks to all you guys for listening make sure you hit subscribe leave us a nice review if you can check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube and we'll be back with another episode next week bye bye Johnny Cheers mate bye.